Hi, welcome back to the Deep Fade. I'm Zach Elliott, as always, joined by my two favorite people in the world, Raven and then also Brendan. Raven, how are you again? I'm doing good. You know, I'm sitting in the room with you today, not behind the uh, the soundboard. And yeah, that's a great idea, Brendan. How are you today? I'm very excited to be Turn here. off the damn voice. <laughs> for a little context, we, we just, just talked for 20 I just we just talked for like 20 minutes <laughs> to, to be interrupted by I didn't hit the button. Absolutely zero technical difficulties prior to this. Good start. Absolutely not. First time Raven's not back. Not behind the board and <laughs> sounded great. <laughs> hit sounded, the damn button. Yeah. Anyways, we're moving on. We're going to start here. Raven's way more positive about this than I am. We're going to talk about the NFL this week, uh, run around to talk about the in-season tournament, some changes we might like to see next year, uh, do a quick power poll, and then talk a little baseball in some of the craziest contracts that I've ever seen. Uh, this week, teams on by the Cardinals and the Commies on Thursday night, uh, Patriots 21, Steelers 18. In one of the most uh, depressing battle of quarterbacks ever trubisky versus zappy patriots win by three are now three and ten and essentially cement themselves as the i don't know they're tied with the cardinals record wise but they cement that the panthers are going to get the number one pick because which means the bears are going to get the, the bears are going to get pick. the number one pick uh it seems inconceivable to me that the panthers are going to win two more games the rest of the season i don't i'd be kind of surprised if they win one um I'd be surprised if they lead one. The Bears are on the clock at this point. We'll get to that. But Steelers are now tied at 7-6 to six with the rest of the morass in the AFC for that final couple wild card spots. And I, I saw the stat going around that uh, Trubisky had 250 and two touchdowns twice with the Steelers, I believe. While Kenny Pickett has had his zero, which kind of reflects the situation that both of these teams are in where kick it cl clearly isn't the guy. And on the other side, Mac has had more time, absolutely a year and a half more and was starting sooner in his, his, uh, his first season in the league, but they're both kind of at the same crossroads where I know Pickett's in his second year, but like, do do we really think that we haven't seen enough to know that he's probably not going to be at least a, a real winning guy? He's probably going to bounce around just because he's shown enough, but he might just end up being Mason Rudolph where he's sitting on the bench for the next few years after he was given a shot. Not that Rudolph got that much of a shot, but new jets backup question mark. Um, he would be kind of a funny, kind jets of a backup. funny jet. Well, no, I mean, I, he's probably better than Zach. I would, Zach I would argue that. Zach was good. He 302 tutties. But Af that was after a terrible first half. I think the Jets would be more than happy uh, taking Kenny Pickett, but I also kind of think that, you know, polished ball of shit, where you're taking one guy's bad situation instead of your own just to give it another chance. Uh, you say, oh, we can learn behind Rodgers, which I suppose is true. It's not. That's not a bad idea. Honestly, but he's on that first round contract. So if you trade for him as a backup and then go through next season and then get to his fourth year where you have to decide if you want to pick up his fifth year option and he's still behind Rodgers or something like that, that seems unwise. So they're kind of stuck with him. 
and they've already won too many games this year to reasonably get anyone outside of like the Bo Nixes of the world where it's you're you have a a young quarterback that's not working out and so you draft an older quarterback <laughs> cuz i think Pickett's 25 i think and you're drafting a 26 year old if you get a a Nix even Penix is pretty old uh Jane Daniels however but he might go too high at this point Heisman trophy winner that's he was great news. he deserved it uh on the other side Pats I mean, they're 3-10 and 10 now. Good for them. Uh, they knock themselves out of, not out of, uh, like, quarterback range in the draft, but out of you get to decide which quarterback you get at range. And Belichick, I know we talked about it before, but um, I think we're kind of in agreement that Belichick is not long for New England. Just there's too much, like, sour taste after this year where if you just go into it to it with belichick again it's a disservice to him too i feel like it's it's like everyone prizes his system which with brady it worked their wonders. defense has still been pretty good and given the uh the, the injuries with christian gonzalez and judon both still being out it it does speak to his ability to still defensively coordinate but he's also the gm and he's yeah. also and it's like, I don't know, I saw the video of the quarterback coming back into the locker room and, like, super excited with everyone, and mm-hmm. then he walks up to Bill and he's like, yes, sir, good game, sir. It's like, <laughs> I don't know, I feel well, like Well, that's just, always been kind of the that, deal, though. That has been, but I feel like there needs... For everyone who's not Brady. I think there needs to be a change, and I don't think that system can be the main system anymore in football. I just think, like... You have like I don't Mike th- McDaniels coming in. And I don't think that the- you can have coach GMs anymore. Yeah, it's it's too much of like I don't want to say pressure for the players, but like you're being judged by the guy that's at the end of the day decided deciding that'd if you're be, staying. That would be or an not. interesting so, uh, research like project or investigation that if. Belichick being the GM has a negative effect on like perception from play because yeah. he's not, he's the greatest coach ever so he's so already has the respect him. but then when you're when, but like when you're trying to impress your boss at work and your boss is also the CEO of the company it's a little difficult yeah i don't know anyways less shitty teams uh bills 20 chiefs 17 <laughs> I I want to state the claim that the Bills are the best team in the AFC after this game in particular. Because coming in, there are already some stats and some chirping that it's like the Bills are currently the 10th seed, which isn't a seed, but uh, currently out of the playoffs if the season ended today, despite, you know, Allen has been amazing. And if they had won two more games, he would easily be the front runner for MVP. But, you know, if if Gabe Dave turns the right way and if a couple of defensive possessions go differently, they are they are filling kind of a, a Chargers-esque void because the Chargers are just kind of bad this year. So they're filling the void of the team that finds the most incredibly stupid ways to lose possible, including in this game almost. Uh, but Allen leads the league in expected completion percentage. The Bills are fourth in EPA per play. 
they're in the top half of the league defensively despite losing Trey White and uh, and Matt Milano to all pro level guys. I think that coming out of this, if they can perform well against the teams coming up, including the Cowboys next week, who despite their record, they are favored at home against, which speaks to the power that they command and the respect both from Vegas and I think amongst the NFL, people know they're good. It's just, can they make it to the postseason? And if they do, like, Brendan, like, if the Bills are the wild card opponent of the Ravens, like, how mad are you? I mean, there, there's a lot of good teams in the AFC, and I think that that you neglect how how powerful they could be at some times because, like, there's a lot of really hot teams that are fighting for that wild card spot right now. There's a lot of dangerous teams. Like Jake teams. Browning? Yeah, I was actually going to bring up the Bengals. I mean, that team's been, you know, kicking, and then you got Joe Flacco in the, in the Cleveland Browns. So. Dude, he, he my looks favorite, pretty good. My favorite quarterback. He looks pretty good. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. I mean, if Joe Flacco is the QB of the Jets, are they like, still are they good? like nine and four? Uh, I don't know about nine and four, but I think that they would definitely be in like playoff contention right now. <laughs> Do you think he would be doing better than Rodgers? No, no, no but, but that's like, not the point. That's not the point. I want to see Joe Flacco on the field. <laughs> that's the point. Oh, man, I was honestly, I, I can't not be happy for him right now. I mean, I love Joe Flacco. He won my team a Super Bowl, and I thought it was hilarious when the Browns tweeted out, nobody's better at winning in this stadium than Joe Flacco. That was, that's, that's really funny. Really good. That's it's really true. Funny. It's true. On the other side, dominant storyline. Um, Mahomes, I, okay, I know now we are all in, uh, in accord also that it's not like we think less of him now that because that is silly to come out of this and see his temper tantrum and be like, oh, I respect him as a QB or a person less like shut up. OK, this is there's not much precedent for this outburst. And even prior in this season, there are so many things, including to his own teammates a lot, including to his own teammate who messed up this game, too, a lot that. He could have gone off and exploded about it. And there's clear frustration, more though so in the than in the past, where you can see him on the side and like just I mean, we can all read lips when it's four-letter words. Him just yelling after a key drop or just the offense stalling in the second half. It's gotten slightly better, but I know going into a couple of weeks ago, they were averaging like six points in the second half, which was easily the worst in the league. And this is all fair to get frustrated about. And so I think this is just a culmination of that. But he was so offsides. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, another thing about... He was so offsides. About him, you know, whining after the game or whatever. I think people were really upset about how he said it in Josh Allen's ear. Yeah, too. That's like, dude... You're not going to complain to the guy that beat you. Yeah. Like, I'm, that's not cool. And, like, that's basic sportsmanship, I feel like, at the end of the day, where... You just kind of own up to it. Also, like, what is he supposed to say back in that situation? Yeah, he's like, he, sorry. He, feels, no, it's, <laughs> he it was like when, like, the mom and dad that are about to get divorced are fighting, and Mahomes and Josh Allen's like, "Oh, good game." It's like, "Oh, I love you, Dad." It's like your fucking mom. <laughs> and he's just like, "Worst call I've ever seen." Like, no, what are you doing? That I've never seen that. That's the one thing that I've never in like the post game handshake. You, he's 
he's by a hot enough mic that you can hear him say it. That is the worst call that I've ever seen in the post game like handshake, which is like I know in other sports, especially F one. If you talk about yeah. the stewards, it's a penalty. Is there like talking bad about the refs like oh, yeah. in a post game? Do NFL, they... NBA, every sport. If, you're, say, if you're talking about the uh, the refs in post game, it's like do you think boom, fine? As I say, do you think he'll get fined oh, for this? Duh. Yeah. He's but now get, the question like, is how much. Who cares? It's gonna be like even it's, if it's like it's gonna be like two percent of his contract. It's like two hundred fifty thousand bucks. It's like oh wait. Oh no! Here's most of the times it's in like the fifteen to thirty range of it's like up to fifty even for criticizing the refs because they don't want you to do that. Players eat it, whatever. Um, if if two or three more plays go the Chiefs' way, they have ten or eleven wins. Yeah, and they're at the top of the AFC, and it's. Not question, and their defense has bailed them out a lot more than I think any of us would have expected, especially coming into the year with Chris Jones and all that contract situation. But I think I think people are going to start to think about the Chiefs a little differently. Uh, we were comparing them to, like, Mahomes' outburst to being, like, a lot of the same competitive BS that, like, Brady and Belichick would do when they would get mad at the refs, like, during the height of their dynasty. It's the same stuff. It's a different flavor. I think Mahomes is, was intense and on a big stage against a good team. But this stuff happens. It's just not always as audible or evident as it was for him. But it's been a frustrating season. I get it. It's just the nature of being a competitor and being somebody who's won as much as he has. I mean, he's obviously just not not used to losing like that. And, you know, you kind of got to expect something like that out of him. It's a better way of putting yeah, it, it like, than me saying uh, he was given everything in Oklahoma. <laughs> so congratulations on that. I, yeah. And like, it's the opposite of, uh, of a lot of times, I think people get mad when, uh, when quarterbacks keep too cool of a head. Like, I know people criticize Herbert for that. Um, so I, again, like, I understand it. It's just. Once once he got to the post-game press conference and was still talking the same way, and he's like, oh, Kelsey's a Hall of Famer. Keep that out of the game. Don't." And it's like, sorry. Your wide receiver's head was blocking the damn ball on the broadcast. Like, he's offsides. You can't have it both ways. I get Peyton Manning's point, and I agree with it, that if stuff like that's going to happen, just blow the play dead. And you can do that for both offensive and defensive offsides, but that also but takes, say that, takes away the free play. That, that takes away, you know, half the Packers wins from the last six years. You like, said it, not me. I'm not. Um, yeah, I'm not going to argue against it. But you know, the art of the Roger, dead play. Is, Rogers was awesome at that. He and was, and you can't deny that. But if you take that away, that changes this game a lot. I do like the idea of calling offensive. Uh, just a dead play, but then that becomes another. Like, there's just gonna be nuance issues in that that people pick out and say they don't like. And I, I'm always kind of pro like blowing a play dead because it takes out an unnecessary down where it's just more wear and tear over the course of a game, especially on a play that doesn't end up mattering. That's very Look, true. Tony needs to make sure he's on side playing football your entire life. The uh, offensive offsides has been a point of emphasis this year. They've called it more than double than any 
double the amount of times in any season in the 21st century. Most of that is because of the tush push. They want don't want people coming offsides on that or lining up in the neutral zone in an attempt to get more of a push. But if they're looking for it, you gotta know. And I get it. You're excited to do one of the coolest plays I have seen in my life. But like... Come on. It's a basic fundamental of the game is line up behind the ball. I mean, yeah. Other biggest game. Cowboys laying the smackdown on the Eagles. Dak is the new MVP betting favorite, slightly over Purdy. And I think we're... We've gotten to the point to be able to talk about Dallas as the second best team in the NFL and really mean it. Uh, I think this is the point I was making when Brendan uh, broke my heart and (laughs) told me that nothing we had just said mattered. But I think I've thought of the Cowboys a lot as an analogy for uh, someone who gets promoted too fast. A burden of a new position where even if you're a really good worker, really good employee in whatever job you are, You go from intern to entry level to middle management to lower executive super fast. But the reality is sometimes people get put into a position where they slowly get tasked with more and more responsibility, more and more expectations. And then as they get more expectations, their their excellence fades and they become less and less competent because they aren't ready. And while I'm never in support of people having to toil away in a job to get to where they deserve to be, in this case, it's a lot of the same thing where it's the Cowboys. We always talk about them this way. We're always dying to put them in the top echelon of teams when in the entire DAC era, there's always been problems. Usually it's been the defense. Sometimes it's been some of the receiving core. One year, the offensive line was super banged up. Mike McCarthy... Before before that, the Clapper, Jason Garrett. And now I think we're finally in a point where talking about them like that is deserved. They are not burdened with too many expectations that lead them to being incompetent in that position. They're the second best team in the league. So they also proved themselves. It's not like, oh, there's an excuse that can be made that they're there. They're, they the, the biggest excuse... Before now was the teams that they were beating weren't very good, and they lost to the Cardinals earlier in the year. And even in this game, the Eagles' defense has been falling apart recently. Persia Kapati of the Ringer, nine of the last eleven defensive possessions for the Eagles have been touchdowns, and it shows where they are not playing the same lockdown monstrous pass rush defense. They lost their defensive coordinator, Gannon's in Arizona, and that makes a difference. And I know Eagles fans kind of blame him anytime there is a defensive lapse and in the Super Bowl even but it's a lot of the same personnel they went and got uh, Kevin Byard to to plug up some of the back end issues there too and they've still been struggling a lot as of late yeah a lot of back end issues indeed I mean I've seen Darius Slay retweet something himself of a fan sitting on the side of the street with two trash cans with the names Slay and Bradbury on them so that's just they, they know what what they think of the secondary in, in Philadelphia right now I mean big play Slay has been doing his thing uh he hasn't really been that much of an issue but it, it can't just be one cornerback and we see the same issue we've seen it in Baltimore with just Marlon Humphrey having to hold it down it's you know he, he can't do it himself 
We'll talk about it here in a sec, but Humphrey got absolutely annihilated oh, I, I by Cup on the drive before overtime. Yeah, yeah. He, we'll Cup sat it. on his head. <laughs> um, no, but that's that's true. Where it's uh, it's some of the problems that the Broncos were facing earlier in the season, where PS two Sertan is awesome, but like he can't be the only guy playing well because if you have one corner and then nothing else you could still get 70 put on your head. Like, I think that that is a lot of the issue. They don't have the same pass rush that they did. Um, they lost their, like, best pass rushing detect- defensive tackle in the offseason, too. So it makes sense. And Hurts has been good, just streaky. And when you do not have the same level of consistency across the rest of the roster, special teams have still been good. Elliott's still great. It leads to outcomes like this where when you go up against good teams and make those mistakes like sometimes it breaks your way with the bills sometimes it doesn't and the cowboys lay it on you going into the rams and the ravens uh take it away brendan who who's tywin uh, what's his name tylen wallace tylen wallace i was gonna say that guy's goat he's uh that was a sweet return. Yeah, no, he's typically wide receiver six. He's a gunner. He's a big special teams player. So that was his first ever return that they let him take in like a regular season game. And they thought that he was, was ready first. for it. So, I mean, like John Harbaugh is, is your special teams guru. He knows better than me, but I was sitting on the couch. I was like, Tylen Wallace taking this return? Okay, let's see how this goes. And, and boom, he, he had to do it to him there. So he might take Duvernay's job at this point. I mean... Devin Duvernay. Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with the results. He's one for one right now. They might just ride the hot hand, at, at least in terms of the punt returner. He's got to start next game, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know how serious Duvernay's injury was. It was a it was back injury, mm-hmm. to my knowledge. But Listen, even if he's just a little banged up and you want to give the kid a chance. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly earned it. He worked really hard in the offseason. He had a great story where... I mean, when final cuts for the roster were coming around, he sat inside of his car outside the facility and waited and waited for the results. I mean, he's a he's a feel good kind of story kind of guy. So, I mean, a lot of the fans were really happy to see him make this play as well as the players. It was impressive, too. He kept his balance on uh, a couple of like arm tackles that missed. And I don't know, like it's one play, but he looked good enough to warrant more of an opportunity. It was awesome. It's also the second time this year that a punt return has ended the game in overtime, which I don't remember happening anytime recently. No, it was uh, Xavier Gibson against the the Bills week one. Yeah, I know. I remember. I was saying it's the second time this year that that's happened, but in years prior, I feel like that's really rare Yeah, for it to end the game. Yeah, it happened that, that Marcus Jones won too. Yeah, that was crazy. Well, that was also that game where he that was the only touchdown yeah, scored. Yeah, no, that was the, I think it was like 3 to 3 or something. Yeah. Anyway, uh Lamar l- led a good final drive before Stafford came back, threw up a bomb to cup where he literally sat on Marlon Humphrey's head mm. on yeah. the way down and then they had a couple of weird play There was a weird timeout thing where the Harbaugh threw a challenge flag at nothing and like fans were like tweeted out like does he have dementia or something well i was talking i was talking with mcveigh where they they had a timeout and they would have had a chance to run a play towards the end zone 
and mm-hmm. then have called another timeout and kicked the field goal. But, like, they didn't get the play in in time with their final timeout, and so they had to call it. And yeah, so they were just able – they threw up a, a shitty deep shot to the, the back corner of the end zone that didn't work. They kicked the field goal, and then obviously they lose in overtime. But if you have that timeout, you can use the, – they were saying it on the broadcast. You can use the middle of the field, mm-hmm. whereas they were just – it's like, let's throw a back corner fade that they know is coming. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just that that last-minute offense critical errors you can't make. I mean, like, I was really excited on my couch, obviously, when I saw that they had to take that timeout. But, yeah. man, that, that could have come in really handy. Regardless, Stafford and, and McVay putting up 31 against one of the three best defenses in the NFL. I, oh, know, yeah. I know we were just talking about their problems opposite Humphrey, but they've been amazing. Yeah, I might have even talked about it last week, but Stafford is one of the most underrated game managers. Whenever I saw that man call an audible, I knew the play was about to go. It's one of those stats, going back to his time in the Lions, where they would show it. He has 40-something game, almost 50 game-winning drives in his career. And, like, when you think, he's always kind of been that guy where he has his problems. A lot of the stuff that we talk about, Allen, now of turnovers and like key fumbles and bad situations and he has the stink of the lions over him but like i i jotted some stuff down for him as a hall of famer he has over fifty five thousand yards 350 touchdowns to 178 interceptions career 7.3 yards per attempt and a career 63 percent completion percentage which has just gone up year by year that's a product of the the passing environment in the league but also he looks really good after being banged up early. He was terrible to start and then took some time off, and him and McVeigh have been cooking. Mm. He's 11th all-time in passing yards, and he's only 2,000 behind Eli for 10th, who he's one of those guys that I'm so glad got a ring because now we talk about we can talk about him. I think Stafford is better than Eli Manning. I agree. I, I think that, yeah, Stafford was— And Eli's probably a Hall of Famer, no? Uh, no, I had this conversation with someone else the other day, and I I can't think that he really is. Man, it's close, honestly. It, it really is like a coin flip, but I don't think if he had another Super Bowl, that would change it to be where. Eli? Yeah, I think then, yeah, you can say he's pretty sure a Hall of Famer, but without that second one. I think a lot of people are hesitant to really give it to him. I, I'm hesitant personally because of his regular season stats and just that's quite the main frankly, thing. His, where it's like longevity. How, I mean, like he how heavily stay. do you do you value him being the guy that beat the Pats twice, including the seven, the what, the nineteen and oh Pats? Yeah, exactly. That's what it's gonna have to come down to in terms of like the Hall of Fame voting. But me personally, I mean, like I just can't ignore his regular season stats and his longevity. I mean. I mean, he stayed in the league a long time, obviously, but he just didn't have it when it came to down the stretch. He was washed for quite a while there. I mean, yeah, but he he had that streak of, what, 200 games or something playing in a row. Yeah, yeah. Well, that speaks to That'll do a some damage too. to your body, too. Yeah, yeah but he, always, he gutted it out, and I think that's something to reward. And, you know, I think a lot of the time he was just a luckier, like, cutler. But uh, I don't know. I think I think he's. I think he is. I think he could get it, but it wouldn't be like first ballot. Obviously, I also think his last name is Manning, and that helps a lot. That also is a huge (laughs) crutch that 
I don't want to say crutch, but huge boost. I mean, I don't know. I, it doesn't bother me that much. How about Phil Rivers? Ooh, Ooh no. Because he had he definitely had better Hall stats. Hall of Fame for he definitely uh, had better most stats. kids, but you know. Him and Antonio Cromartie. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. That man uh, Hall of loves <laughs> Why did coitus. I not get that at first? <laughs> oh, my God. I think like 20 between them. I mean, he's a he's that's a legend. A whole, that's a almost a whole squad. He's a legend for uh, for an offensive. Side. No, no, he has a full team. Like no somebody way. I think, was saying. I think like, someone tweeted that out once. Yeah. yeah, that they should line up all of his kids as like a full offense because they could make it. It's eleven. I, I want him. the youngest at center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but like, like Ezekiel Elliott on the last play of last year, just getting <laughs> bowled over. Any okay, moving on. Um. Games we don't need to spend a lot of time on. Vikings 3, Raiders 0. The first Oof. game since 1943, I believe, to be 0-0, 59 minutes left, in, 59 minutes into the game. Vikings uh, kick a game-winning field goal, and Dobbs <laughs> gets benched mid-game. It also provoked a little cheating scandal when the refs moved the ball back like one yard when it was still 0-0. They did do that. Interesting. Yeah, that's also it's zero one. zero. <laughs> Don't blame the refs. I mean, nobody's blaming them, but it's like every yard counts at that point because it is zero to zero. So I'm sad that the Dobbs experience is ending. But yeah, we were all pulling for him. But last week and this one kind of set it. In stone. He's probably not back in. Yeah, he's a backup. He's he a backup. Linsanity run. Over. It it really is Linsanity, <laughs> which God, dude. Sad. Sad. Remember when he won a game without like knowing anyone's name? <laughs> that was nuts. Or the playbook. Dude. Or the playbook in any sense. Uh, Bucks 29, Falcons 25. The Bucks take first place in the worst division imaginable. It's going to be uh, like a Panther situation when they had Newton however many years ago where they won the division at like 7, 9, and 1. Where I think they're all of them are 6 and 7 right now. The top three there. And Baker's the best of the three quarterbacks there, no? Oh, agreed. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> Unless you count Jabo Winston in that mix. He's my favorite. That doesn't mean he's the best. <laughs> best at stealing crab legs. Best at stealing. That's a, that was, oh my God, that was like 10 years ago. <laughs> I always remember it, though. That is the that is the joke that I, I make to my to my family. <laughs> oh my god. The the Falcons, I think of the three, because I think all three of those coaches are also kind of on the hot seat, some hotter than others. I think it's gonna go whatever team wins the division, the coach stays, and then one of the other two is getting fired, whether that's Bulls or or What's his face? Arthur Smith or Smith and uh, Dennis Allen. Yeah, Dennis. Um, it's just, he just has such a boring name that I <laughs> I forget a lot of the time. Dennis. Dennis. Allen. He was just the other guy behind Peyton for however long. Oh yeah. All of them have like balanced teams too, where Falcons defense has been better than it was in the past. I sincerely think that like if you gave the Falcons Shanahan back. They would put up like forty points again. London looked awesome. Dude, Ritter was throwing some pretty balls. He was honestly. okay. He was really good in fantasy too, for whatever reason. And I, I, I don't want to blame Smith. I think ultimately it, it comes down to the quarterback. 
Uh, but yeah, whoever uh, whoever wins that division shouldn't feel good about it, and yeah, will probably, probably get annihilated by the Cowboys or the Eagles. Yeah, that's just the playoff structure nowadays. I mean, me and my dad were actually having this conversation. I, how do you guys feel about uh, seven teams making the playoffs as opposed to six? I I kind of feel the same way as I do about the college football playoff expanding. Which where like I know a lot of people hate it, yeah. but like I kind of like there only being one by instead of two. Hmm. Okay. Which it's is more football, which more, you can't complain about. Yeah, no. You can't at the end of the day. If it's bad football, you if it's can't bad do. football, yeah, sure. And you feel but, obligated to watch, and it's like, well, that sucked. Yeah, I uh, just feel a way ever since that that time where Jalen Hurts his first year making the playoffs with the Eagles, they made it, and then the Steelers made it, and just got caught a whooping one each. But that happened in the other format too, and it's always going to happen. Where if you're a top seed, you should probably lay the smack down on the lower seed yeah when i mean yes i know there's exceptions and we were just talking about eli and the giants going from the sixth seed all the way there but i don't know i don't really think about it that much i i kind of like more teams because again more football and i like watching more but there are times when it was like the Bears playing the Saints that one year where was it where javon wins punched the hell out of uh nick <laughs> coleman and you get games like that, but I don't know. I kind of like it. It also deters tanking. Yeah, that too. Which is why I like the play-in for the NBA. Uh, Panthers 6, Saints 28. Don't need to talk about anything that happened. Everyone hates Derek Carr, even in games that they're winning. Uh, I was I was posing the thought, is, this, is the Panthers season the most depressing in recent NFL memory? Because they don't have their pick, and they aren't sure that the number one quarterback that they took last year is any good. It kind of reminds me of when, like when the Cardinals took Josh Rosen and then immediately took Kyler and hired Cliff, but like they don't have the pick. (laughs) Shoot. I mean, I think that there's still... And they fired Reich faster than anyone in memory. (laughs) I mean, there's still something there with Bryce Young, so I I don't think... I, I believe in Bryce. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to give up on them now. I, it, it, it is really unfortunate that they don't have that one pick because they could honestly trade down with it, hypothetically, if they did have it. Yeah, and he's get not. Get an offensive line. He's not Josh Rosen, but like they could get Joe Alt or the, I can't say his name, the guy from Penn State, um, and then still have the capital to take another receiver to help him out. But it's the combination of everything that's happened so far. And, like, limited hope, Mm. where you made a trade that it already hasn't worked out because it's already obvious that even if they win the rest of their games, they're giving up a good pick. And they're clearly not, and we know that. Texans 6, Jets 30. Good for Zach. Immaculate half. Good for Zach. Yeah. Like he said himself, I mean, he didn't have anything to lose, and it showed out there. I mean, he he was balling. I loved the quote where it was like, they're like, what are you, what is your mindset going out to the game tonight? And he's like, what are they going to do? Bench me again? <laughs> like, dude, yeah. He's like, nothing can get worse. I'm just going to go out there and play football, which is a great mentality. I kind of love after it. that. I'm coming around on him. And I don't know how the locker room feels about it. Cause I know that it was, uh, 
it was part of the discussion around him that Salah was getting flack from the locker room for continuing to start Wilson. But I don't know, man. That's pretty good. He also had that game against the Chiefs where he like outplayed Mahomes for a lot of it. Um, I think that he will have a job. And I thought a few weeks ago that he was never going to be on an NFL team again. Mm-hmm. So uh, he could also just get destroyed next week too. But like, I feel like we're watching a spiritual journey in real time. And if the jet and it, a lot of it is ironic because of Rogers, but I think that he's um, just as a person, I'm kind of glad for him because I want him to come out of this year and Jets fans are like, you know what, Zach? Do you? Yeah. Thumbs I've, up of approval. I love Zach, honestly. And what what you can't go wrong with kissing moms and throwing bombs. Anyways, I wish I, I wish I had the the want want. Stroud got a concussion, and like the Texans are a part of those teams trying to make the playoffs. If they don't have him, Nico Collins got hurt too, and they're already off uh, without Tank Dell. If it's Davis Mills throwing to Brevin Jordan and John Mechie. Oh, boy. Davis uh, Mills, man. I he's forgot back. that name. I forgot that name. Money Mills is back. He's back, and John Mechie it might already be a bust. Shout out oh to him for uh, for beating for beating cancer, though. Yeah, for being healthy. Yeah, but he uh, he's so much worse than either of them. Seahawks 16, 49ers 28. Seahawks hung around, but uh, Drew... Uh, big cock lock is uh, <laughs> I was just resisting trying not to say it I wrote it down so I wanted to say it uh, he's also another guy that he got beat out by Gino at the beginning of last year so we kind of forgot about him but he was a he was what top of the second rounder yeah, it's not, yeah. I think he could play a little Yeah, I we're, think we're starting to rotate through so many backups that we're going through all the bad ones to get back to the good ones again. Yeah. There's so many quarterbacks you could describe as like a quality backup right now, but unfortunately a lot of them are going to be thrust into a starting position. Listen, you're playing the best defense in the NFL and you scored 16 points. That's like, okay, when you're probably the 40th best quarterback in the NFL. Oh yeah. There's an elephant in the room when it comes to this game that we're going to have to discuss though. And I think we all know what it is. I'll let you take the floor. I, for one, have no idea what this <laughs> elephant in this room oh, is. Oh, so. shoot. I wanted to talk about DK Metcalf and whether or not he should have been ejected from that game. Ah. Uh, I mean, probably. I don't know. Uh, I sure. Mean, I think, I think it was lame as hell by Fred Warner. I mean, just in a real-life standpoint, he was just, you know, rule-abiding and, and kind of, like, was, was finessing the rules there. But he shoved DK down neck first into the ground after like this is a guy that had a neck in like a broken neck in college and I forgot about that. that and he shoved him face down into the ground after you know he tackled him away that he he felt away about and then DK came back and you know pretty much gave him a good speaking to I mean that was pretty much the end of it he grabbed his face mask gave him a good talking to and that was it but it was just really lame. I, I wish I didn't have to see it's him get ejected. It's the face mask thing. Yeah. I love DK. I love DK Metcalf. But, like, you can't do that. Yeah, no, you can't. And that's the thing. It's just, it's really sad. I thought it was lame, too. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But, like, can't, like, let people do that. Because that's, like, 
Well, you're saying grab them by the neck. If you let people do that, then that's where shit can get really escalated. I just think it's lame that they didn't eject Warner as well. I thought they should have ejected Warner too. And because I think- that was a really baby-ass move. And I, I, I told this to my dad as well, but like... I'm sure you'll remember this, Zach. Remember when Gronkowski got mad about like, oh, a when no he call? S- like speared him into and the then ground, he, like with his dove helmet? like head first into tra- like Tre'Davious White on the ground. It was so violent. It too. was like the same intent with Fred Warner, and you know, I think that it was just as blatant. So I think that he should have got ejected as well. I think they both should have gotten ejected. Yeah, man. I man, I feel bad for DK in that one, especially because people are pinning on him saying that he was just being a salty loser. But He, he wasn't, no. I, like, I I don't know. I didn't think yeah, that once, hard about it. For once, I think that he was justified. In I, think, I think a lot of times he's not, and yeah. I think that's coloring people's perceptions of the situation. Yeah. Um, the Niners, before this game, uh, it was I saw a report. I forget who the tweet was from, so I apologize, but it was that... On a neutral field, the 49ers would be favored by five against anyone. Uh, and this game probably doesn't change that much. The Cowboys looking really good and the Bills looking better changes that calculation maybe a little bit, but they're still that much better than everyone. And even in a game where they probably didn't play that well, I mean, Purdy looked great. Uh, would you rather Would you rather take him or Dak for MVP this season so far? Uh, Raven, you first. I would probably say Dak. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with Dak on that one. I mean, he Dak has weapons. Don't get me wrong, but not Purdy's, as many as Purdy's Purdy. are generational weapons. And Dak is has been playing amazingly, especially given the fact that you know his offense is mostly the same, plus like Brandon Cooks. So I I think that he's got to get his flowers in terms of just the the performance that he's been putting on this year. I think I agree. And Tyreek putting up like 60 yards last night, I think honestly killed his MVP candidacy because he kind of had to put up like 120 every game the rest of the year or more to have it. I I think today, yes, but I also kind of think if the Cowboys win out, if they win the NFC East, I don't think it's a question. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think if we look at everything at the end of the year, I might end up... Uh, leaning Purdy just because he has been so like outside of that three game stretch where he didn't have Trent Williams and then it was the first game Williams was back he's been just lights out indefensibly like good like incriticizably good mm-hmm. anyway Broncos 24 Chargers 6 Easton Stick was in this game and that's kind of all you need to know fun fact did not know who that was uh, I think, well, no, I did. Because I remembered him from last year. I knew the name. Uh, but Easton Stick, also known as the guy who was between Carson Wentz and Trey Lance. Um, the I mean, I don't know. It's just a long parade of bullshit and hilarity for the Chargers this year. They uh, are going to fire their coach. And I don't think they're going to put Herbert back in this year after breaking... I, it, they didn't make it sound that bad. And if you break a finger on your throwing hand, that's you. Like Fields missed like four games because he hurt his thumb, and their their season's down the toilet. I don't know why they would bring it back, honestly. Yeah, uh, unless you him, want him to get statistics. Yeah, just keep him healthy until next year. Bring in next year. Bring in a new coach. And on the other side, Broncos, one game back of the Chiefs in their division. 
They had, they don't play anymore. They already split their matchup, so the head-to-head there is even. And then it goes to, I believe, in conference record. Is there a non-zero chance that the the Broncos win the AFC West? Not zero for sure. I think it's 1%. Who has played better the last five weeks? You got to go the Broncos, the Broncos, man. You really have to, which is such a sad thing to say with how good the Chiefs are. But... I mean, numbers don't lie at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, they're they're becoming very well. I don't coached. have the yeah, I don't have the balls to say it. But yeah, I. Can't, but I, I can't really want to say it because they've been so much. I think they've been so much better than them. Yeah. I, do they have another another matchup coming up? No. No, Aww. they they already played twice. Because remember, there was the whole them celebrating after having lost to the Chiefs 16 times in a row. Yeah. And then they lost the other game this season. Hey, hey they got a little dub in, so. They did. Can't be sad about that. I I am fascinated. And since week seven, Broncos, same team that got 70 dropped on them. Third in defensive EPA per play. They have played way better. Also, Brendan pointed out last week that I said Zach Allen was still on the Cardinals. He is not. <laughs> he is on this team. He is on the Broncos. And uh, helping them do that. Jaguars 27, Browns 31. Joe Flacco is like, I don't know. Him. Who's playing worse than Joe Flacco? A lot of CJ Stroud. No. No. Only one po- week. Post concussion. No. no. <laughs> Concussed CJ Stroud. Uh, they put like 31 points is enough with that defense to be. That, the Browns defense has been so weird because they were so unbelievable. I think because Garrett's banged up now is a big reason. But they were so, like, dominant against everyone to start the year, and now they're giving up 27 to the Jags. So, like, I don't know. Would you rather have Joe Flacco or Trevor Lawrence? Be honest. Uh, Well, I'd rather have T-Law. But in in that game, in that game, I probably would have had Joe Flacco because they they marched T-Law out there after a pretty gruesome injury. I was shocked. Yeah, Yeah, I mean. With the high ankle sprain. I probably I'm mean, it's it's easy to say now in retrospect because they lost anyway, but I probably would have marched CJ Beathard out there. I mean they put up twenty seven, so it, it like you score twenty seven points, you can't really argue with the results, mm-hmm. but like I don't know, man. High ankle sprains are worse than I than I uh, think it's being treated like right now. So mm-hmm. credit to Lawrence for playing through the pain then, because he looked hurt last game. Yeah. And they're playing on a short week too. It's six days. It's poor How, quarterbacks this year, man. What's the Jags record? Oh, uh, what? I believe eight they're and five. Eight and five. They're yes. tied with the Chiefs. Okay, so good enough to be in playoff contention still. So they're still up on on the Texans and the Colts because they both. Uh, I mean, do you take one week to just sit T Law out to give him a little recovery? I mean, at this point, I don't think so. I mean, they're gonna play the Ravens. I, I don't think they can. Yeah, no. They can't really afford to. They're not, like, cruising. They're not on cruise no. control. Where you, I mean, you might have thought they were before. Yeah, no, a lot of people would have thought that. They thought, you know, there's no question. When, when Minshew came in and the Jags were already clearly good, and, I mean, it was like, oh, it's just the Texans, uh, even as Stroud was starting to come on. They they cannot like sit on their laurels. They kind of have to play Lawrence because Beathard did okay enough on the couple of drives that he had to play in Lawrence's absence last week. But 
C.J. Beathard's not putting up 27 points against the Browns. Lawrence can still do it even when he's hobbled because he's good, but, you know. Uh, and then last night, Monday night, Titans 28, uh, Dolphins 27. Levin fascinates me because all the uh, stats on him are pretty bad. Normal for a rookie. And he's clearly way different than Tannehill or Malik Willis, way more aggressive in a good way. And I think broadly additive. But he's 25th in EPA per play, and the Titans are like mar- two spots better since week eight, which was left as his first as a starter. And some of that might be buoyed by his first game where he threw four touchdowns. But, like, he did enough. And Derrick Henry is still Derrick Henry. And Vrabel knows how to use him perfectly as that battering ram at the end of games to wear guys down. And, like, this was at home. Why are the Dolphins losing to the Titans at home? That in is a week, great question. In week 14. What? Man, I I am glad to see it happen to another team. Fourth quarter collapse. That's all I'm going to say. Because your team is just so good at them. <laughs> the Masters. The, I had say. to watch way too many of those. Now it's the other team in the hot seat. I'd like to see the, the media treat this one. This is going to be... Um, to me, this is kind of like... The Dolphins are kind of like the Cowboys of years past where we're going to talk about them because they're fun, but I think that something like this is going to happen. Not necessarily in the wild card round, but they... Uh, Super Bowl teams don't lose this game. Yeah, that is true. Packers 22, Giants 24. Okay. As the number one Daniel Jones hater, <laughs> is DeVito better? Yes. Honestly, I, I'm not even going to say maybe. I'm going to say yes. I like. I loved what I saw from him today, and it proves that a quarterback in that situation can prosper, and there shouldn't have been any excuses for Daniel Jones at the start of this year. And they got off to a super, super sluggish start. And now they're starting to pick it up. They're it's five like and eight now. They've had they've always had the same resources from from the get-go. And it was just Daniel Jones at the helm as opposed to Tyrod Taylor and, and DeVito. So if if those two can do it, I think that proves that Daniel Jones is indeed ass. He had a, a running to his right throw to Isaiah Hodgins in the back right corner of the end zone. That was a beauty. I saw that. I've never seen Daniel Jones make a throw like that. That was... Mm. Tommy DeVito is 3-1. and one. I mean, goddamn. And the Packers are no joke. I mean, they were they've on been, a hot streak. Yeah, they beat a team that's been playing a lot better. <laughs> yeah, they, they just beat the Chiefs, and then they come in and lose to New York, man. I mean... Giants. Not, not out of the playoff, huh? crazy to think about wanda robinson is really good i only say that because that's also being uh talked about with i put it off as long as i could um bears beat the lions at home 28 to 13 it's a good win and probably the lions worst loss of the season okay i mean Let me, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna i'm just gonna isolate here all right uh defense has been a lot better they've been six in epa per play since week eight they completely shut down the vikes and they really embarrassed the Lions today, but they gave a, a big sum to the Lions the other day and collapsed and gave up a, a big number to the Saints not that long ago when, granted, Bajan was still starting, but a decent number. Jaquan Brisker is great. Jalen Johnson is great. Brisker was everywhere. And the run defense has gotten so much better. Sweat still isn't like an elite pass rusher, but he has been super additive and the players clearly like him. This team has been better. 
It is Eberflus's first time winning back-to-back games as the Bears head coach, which is insane to me. And part of the reason why I get it, they've been playing better, he should still be on the hot seat. Mm. The biggest thing going around now, and this is something that I have been on, is that now with every win, they're still 5-8 and eight for the record. If every win, it becomes... It's like, oh, are they sure they want to get rid of Fields? Oh, are you sure you're better off? Look, few points. One, if you have the number one pick, it's not even yours. So you can still win some and like, I don't know, build a winning culture, quote unquote, and then still get your guy. Caleb Williams and Drake May are great. Williams, especially in my mind, has a chance to be so special. They are both better prospects than Fields was coming out. He wasn't even a top 10 pick. He can throw a good deep ball. Okay. Sometimes I think he's like the second fastest player I've ever seen where he just takes off and he moves way unnaturally for a dude who's pretty well built. All right. It seems like there, there is a contingent of people in both the organization and out that really like him. And he seems to have his guys backs Players seem to be on his side. That's awesome. But if you have this opportunity to take someone, number one, who's younger, a better prospect, has the chance to end up being better, instead of a guy who, it is year three, and the fact that you cannot say for certain that you want to keep him is all you need to know. It does not need to be more complicated than that. It needs to be 0% more complicated than that. If you're Ryan Poles and you're Matt Eberflus, you did not draft him. You did not choose this guy. It was Ryan Pace's last attempt to save his job, okay? You do not have to keep him. But if you do, and then next year, it's all the same shit where it's questionable. He's hurt sometimes, and you still don't know if he is a dude who can win you playoff games. You are going to get fired next year. Eberflus might get fired this year anyway. However, if you draft Williams and then the team continues to improve with this guy who might be the generational of generational QBs that we've had over the last decade or so, you might not only save your job, but extend it for two or three years because you have time to wait for this guy to develop. So it doesn't make sense for them. You have a chance to reset the rookie QB contract uh, timer and have a guy coming in fresh who we who looks so fucking good. And then you get off of a guy who, as much as I think he can succeed, whether that's on... I think like the Commanders, the Raiders, I think he will be on one of those teams next year. He still misses like necessary throws over the middle. Way overshot. I think it was DJ Moore, but like five feet in a position that would have drained the clock even more, put them in a position to score earlier on in the game and helped run out the second half and put up a lead greater than they had going in. He is still horrible at pocket management where the line is good now, I think. It's pretty decent. Wright's not bad. Tevin Jenkins is good. Braxton Jones is good. You, Nate Davis was signed in the offseason. You have a good enough line that like when he just bails on clean after clean pocket, still has troubles making first decisions where he is so fast that he can make up for it. But does that age, if he continues to get hurt and there's times where he's hobbled, Does he just, is he just going to melt down because he can't bail every freaking time like he likes to? 
he can throw a good deep ball, and I'm not saying there's no room to grow, but you have a decision to make where if you get it wrong, it messes up like the next six years. My dad visited over the weekend. He's a dick because he kept being like, oh, you were flusing fields for the next five years. I'm like, I hate you so much. You can draft, you can draft Williams, an amazing prospect. And then even if you don't get Marvin Harrison Jr., who is everyone on who is the person that everyone on Twitter is obsessed with? Oh, Fields, DJ Moore, Marvin Harrison Jr. Name a better trio. Shut up. If Marvin Harrison hits 95% of his potential, which is still a really good player, but very reasonable, not every guy becomes the best receiver in the NFL just because they look really good. You still have Keon Coleman, Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, really good receivers that if they go in the top 10, no one will be surprised that you can also draft. And if they hit 98% and Harrison hits 94, they're like the same player. You get AJ Green instead of Calvin Johnson. Okay. Uh, some breaking news from Adam Schefter today. Uh, Justin Herbert is undergoing season and uh, surgery today. And so, uh, Chargers situations looking a little bit more dire. This shout out Easton Stick. I hope that th they should pretend that Fields' finger is injured too. They just need to play dead. Okay, we'll be right back with some basketball talk and a little baseball. And we're back. So touching up on some post in season tournament thoughts. One, I thought it was a massive success broadly speaking. I thought that it provided a chance for primarily one guy in Halliburton, but it put all these teams on a national stage. It brought attention to basketball in the middle of the NFL season, which doesn't happen. And all in all, I thought it provided an opportunity for guys like, I mean, we saw both spectrums of, of it. Zion really got criticized because uh, for being a big pot of jambalaya and clearly looking to have lost his athleticism and that put on full display something that uh, people who had been paying attention, who are normally going to pay attention to the NBA during this time of the season, are already noticing. And it brought that into the public consciousness, put him on TNT. He responded to those guys where he's like, listen, if it's coming from a good, about his conditioning, he's like, look, if it's coming from a good place and great, then if not, that's their opinion. And it kind of shows that it's like, He's still having these issues, and the Pelicans are still having trouble convincing him to be in shape, and he's in his fifth season. Uh, one thought on that before Halliburton, and then a couple of suggestions that I have for next year. I think that I think that you could trade Zion for Julius Randle, and I think both teams would be happy. That's actually a really good take. I, I haven't ever thought of that, but... I mean, Julius Randle's obviously not really... He's not beloved in New York. He's not beloved, but he's also not super happy about the situation that he's currently in. And He's I've, also been better. He started so bad. Dubious handle. He yeah. was horrendous, but put up 40, I think, on 100% from three the other night. Like, he's been... He has been better. And is a quality player that... I don't know fits better with Brandon Ingram. I think he's uh, also somewhat ball dominant, but I think he's a better 
a bit better shoot. He can at least shoot a little as opposed to Zion. You get off of the uh, the inevitability of having to deal with his issues for the next few years. And if he goes to New... You don't want to be the GM that trades Zion in the same way we're talking about the Bears. You don't want to be the GM that didn't draft the next great quarterback. But... I think it would. I think they might throw in a first. I know the Knicks have a decent uh, draft capital over the next few years because they haven't traded a ton recently. I also know that they seem like they're probably going to get Donovan Mitchell when he becomes a free agent. So, at least from if the tea leaves mean anything, then he's going to be a Nick at some point. So, I think if you put Randall in a first, I, I don't think you're f- that far off at that point. Because you get the the Randall ups- in a first for Zion in like a second round, who cares at that point? You get so it does seem like there is a bit of bad blood at this point between Zion and the Pelicans, despite the extension, and he has not improved in the way that everyone wants him to. So maybe being not that being in New York is going to be any better for his conditioning than New Orleans, just in a different way. But maybe that's what they both need. And Pelicans, I think, liked Randall. He grew as a player and then got to New York and got even better, was second-team NBA and deserved it. Maybe that he gets put back, yeah, put back in a situation where people like him again. And it might serve him well. Just a thought I had. Halliburton, I believe in the, uh, like the NBA.com MVP tracker, He's currently third, and a lot of that has to do with the in-season tournament because people saw how damn good he was. Those, what, like 32 points to zero assists in the in the two games prior to the final. They played it tight for most of that. The Lakers still won. That's okay. I think ultimately LeBron being the first winner of it is kind of a good thing because it adds some legitimacy that it wasn't as much as it would have been awesome as the if the Pacers had won. Uh, I would have won it gives money. Gives it a little more prestige. That it gives it a little bit more prestige, won. and something that's like I, some people made fun of, kind of, but I think is an underrated thing. The Lakers are hanging a banner for it, which you might be like, "Oh, whatever." But that's good. The L.A. Lakers hanging a banner for that immediately. It's like okay, okay this kind of matters. It means something a little bit more now. Yes. So. Credit to the NBA and the Lakers for that because I think that is a great idea as for uh, legitimiz- legitimizing this in years to come. Yeah, I think it give it a few more years and say like maybe like the Knicks win one year, get that in Madison Square Garden hanging mm-hmm. in the rafters. Like then it's you got two of the greatest basketball teams in the history of the franchise. Sure. Having those in the like that is going to want. It's going to lead every other team wanting to have that in the Raptors. I would have loved a team like the Pacers and Halliburton getting a chance to win something like this, but I think for the health of the tournament in the future, the Lakers winning it first and putting it up there and LeBron being the MVP of the tournament, although it probably should have been Anthony Davis. It is exactly what you would want if you're the NBA. A couple of small things. Uh, Some of this is drawn from an athletic piece by John Hollinger that made a lot of good points. Uh, One of them being, as far as suggestions to to improve it next year and going forward, 
copying the final four in terms of how you show it because like the first of those games starting early in the afternoon what are we doing like you want these semifinals to be on display on prime time yeah everything should be on prime time that is the one thing as far as viewership and getting more people to care that was a mistake because i'm sure less people watched that game than they could have on a thursday afternoon uh something i didn't know the vegas contract was for one year for them to have the in-season tournament in Las Vegas. So it's not like, oh, it's going to be every year. The idea that I like, moving it around. So put it in prospective NBA markets, whether that's Seattle next year. Put it in underserved, whether that let them bid on it, like the Super Bowl. It's not the same thing, but like Nashville, you could have Miami. Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Indiana. Uh, Get it somewhere where... It's more accessible for just people to see good basketball. Exactly. Whereas like like Detroit would be a good one. I feel like that would be a very interesting because, you know, sorry all the Piston fans, but <laughs> your team isn't that we'll good. But, you know, say you get four games of good basketball in Detroit that kind of reinvigorate the crowd a little bit to kind of come out and support the home team a little bit more and I don't know. There's a lot of things that could be done now to really, really shape how this is going to be viewed. I think an interesting thing would maybe try to see if you want to do it overseas. You know, China's a big market for the NBA now, so maybe some games in China sponsored by uh, Dwight Howard. He's in Taiwan. Yeah, I know. Having... uh internationally would also be a good idea whether that's somewhere like China or um, Mexico or Mexico City having it Spain across the pond in Spain would work too they love basketball there having it in one of those Eastern European Croatia countries. or Serbia yeah exactly where it that had, would be cool to see that kind of environment it highlights NBA the game. NBA as an international game and it also improves like NBA because EuroLeague and all the uh, individual intra-country leagues is uh has only grown there so putting the nba in a big tournament there that the lakers are hanging banners for would be a good idea uh having it be a tiebreaker for playoff standings because something that i noticed is that because the lakers less of the lakers more so the pacers because they were in the tournament they now have to complete like a six or seven game stretch over 10 11 days because they are gonna against tougher teams because they end up playing milwaukee after beating the pistons last night and like the knicks and other tougher teams like that minnesota too over a short stretch because they got to the final and it feels like they're getting punished for it so i think winning the instinct tournament should count as like the first tiebreaker like it should move up at like record and then that's next as opposed to conference record or anything like that just add a little bit more incentive to the players and to reward them for actually caring and then the final couple things shuffle the groups up whether or not that imbalances what the tournament ends up being and there's a couple more west teams or a couple more east teams each year shuffling them up and adding variety to it would be good simply so that every year we're not getting like bulls nets i know teams get better and the balance of the league will change but if you just go into every year and say we're gonna not put it in a bowl and mix them up. 
but you get a lot more matchups between teams that aren't going to usually play because if you have East and West teams in the same division, you get like, I don't know, you can get a Milwaukee-Houston matchup that you're, like imagine both those teams were really good. You get kind of matchups that you're not usually going to get, and that's, again, another benefit of the tournament. Uh, in-group tiebreakers, I think, should change where I think in-group records should matter over point differential. I, I like the point differential, and I like that being part of the stats that you see on the screen for it, and it's like they need to win by 13. That was kind of fun. But in the interest of fairness and getting the right teams in who performed well in their groups, I, I feel like your in-group record should matter more. Does that mean you have to play more games? Not necessarily. If, you're, if it's a round robin and you go 3-1 and one, the other person goes three and one, but you beat them, why are you not in? Uh, aside from that, lastly, before bets of the week and a little Shohei talk. So the Pistons have lost 20 in a row. Spurs have also lost 17 in a row. It is the only time in NBA history that there has been two teams of 17 or more losses in a row at the same time. The Pistons, the record for the longest losing streak in NBA history. Talked about this, I think, two weeks ago. It's 28. Between the 2014 and 15 and the 15 16 season for the Sixers, where if you count both, they lost 28 in a row. If you don't count that, it is a tie between the Cavs in 2010 and the Sixers in 2013. The Pistons are at 20. Their next six games are against the Sixers twice, who are, I believe, second in net rating in the league, the Bucks. And I don't know. I think it's fair to say that's 23. After that, you have Hawks, Jazz, and the Nets twice. Hawks and Jazz is your best chance. The Jazz are, I believe, I have it down. They are 7-16. They have a minus 6.7 net rating, which is terrible. Keontae George just went for 30. Great. They don't have a lot going for them. That's your best shot because I think they're going to get overpowered by the Hawks offensively. It's also at Atlanta. And then they have a home and home against the Nets where the Nets are okay. And I, I mean, playing two games in a row, one the 23rd, one the day after Christmas, you have a long break in between. You have to win one of these games because the 28th and record tying losses against the Celtics Oops, in Boston. And then you have, on December 30th, it would be the 29th loss in a row. The Raptors are playing the Pistons at home. So if they don't beat the Jazz, I think they're going to break the record. And that also would mean that they did not win a game in November or, or December. The Spurs, are, the, year. the Spurs are bad, too, but at least they have Wemby, and he does some fun stuff. They were pretty close against the Rockets last night. I That's don't... my one thing, though, with the, the Pistons versus the Bucks. That first game they had against them, it came down to, I think, three points. It was one basket game. So It's so hard to lose it, that many games in a row. It really is, but like the only other thing you can hope for is catching one of those teams on the back end of like a two- or three-game. But I think they're... I think they're also hurt by the fact that I think people, because of how bad they've been and how they've done it, where they've been jerking around minutes and playing guys like Killian Hayes over Ivy, 
I think a lot of people are like have major schadenfreude and kind of want them to break it. Yeah. Which is not helping. No. Gabe Cunningham is going to be ruined. And it's not his fault. Ivy too. All right. Anyway, bad bets. Bets of the week. Zap goes 2-0 and technically for the ones that matter. We all lose when it comes to the in-season tournament because none of us... Brendan, you didn't pick the Lakers, right? No, I picked the the Sun. Yeah, Suns. you picked yeah. the Suns. So, woof. Oh, well. The other one we did for was who was going to... I think we picked the uh, the winner. Raven and I picked the winners of that way before. And then both the teams we picked didn't make yep. the playoff. The, the elimination round, so we picked again. So, 0-2 on that. That's rough. But shout out the, uh, the Bills and the Steelers and Patriots for going over. First, just a couple of straight uh, a straight point spread bets this week. Tight games, though. Thursday, Chargers at Raiders. Which are you guys taking? Raven. Plus three each way. So because of the news that happened today, I'm going to take the Raiders. That Yeah, that line's probably going to move. I was going to say, that line's really going to move just because Herbert... Let me refresh, honestly, because that might have changed. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go Raiders as well, despite the fact that they put up a fat goose egg last week. I think that's just because the Raiders are that bad. Yeah, I mean, they're not great. Well, let's go Aiden O'Connell. That could definitely be a push. I'm not saying that they're gonna go, (laughs) it's gonna be 03 again, but it's a non zero chance. Uh, Sunday, game of the week. Cowboys at Bills. Bills, favored by two and a half. The line has moved in the Bills' favor. Who do y'all want? <laughs> I'm going to deprive Zach Elliott of the Bills right You're now. You're such a bastard. <laughs> and I'm going to take the Bills. Because I, I truly do believe that, that they'll pull this one out. I'm going to take the Cowboys. No. Cool. Okay. Monday night. Eagles at Seahawks. Seahawks or Eagles favored by three and a half against the Seahawks. Granted, it's in Seattle, but uh, mm. I was a little surprised because I think this week definitely changed that number where before it might have been closer to like five, five and a half. Yeah, I want to take the Eagles, but I also want to take an upset here. I got some faith in the Seahawks. Do you, do we know that Geno Stone is playing or Geno Smith is playing? Geno Stone definitely safety for the Ravens probably <laughs> is not. Um, no, probably is not starting at QB. That would have been a game changer. He might be better than Drew. I, I'll take that back. <laughs> I'm gonna take the Seahawks. I want to see the upset. Yeah, uh, y'all can Seahawks y'all can do that. I'm okay taking the Eagles against Drew Locke. Make your money. <laughs> anyway, uh, finally. Just a quick note, Raven and I were talking about this earlier today. So Shohei Otani signs with the Dodgers for 10 years and $700 million. But he's only making $2 million a year for those 10 years. And then for the next 10 years after that, he will be making $68 million per year. He's deferring the bulk of the money on the contract to a decade from now. That said... Against the uh, the competitive balance tax, I believe his contract is still going to count for forty six million, forty four or forty six. That is less than sixty eight, 
and creates an extra $24 million, I believe, for uh, for them to go out and sign other people, whether that's Tyler Glass now, whether that's... The, the obvious answer is Yoshinobu Yamamoto, but... It's, it's also completely legal. I just thought it was the most insane thing that I've ever seen happen in a in a contract negotiation. It's not that I don't think there's anyone in sports history who would do this. I think there are guys who would have deferred the money if they had the opportunity to in the benefit of winning a championship. But I don't know. He just continues to do things that deserve so much attention and often don't get enough. I think the 700 million number already shocked enough people, but just the fact that the Dodgers don't have to pay most of it right now is out outstanding. Like it's outrageous. It's, it's outrageous, but it's outstanding for them. Cause... And every all smart market teams are so mad. Oh yeah, I mean, like we're I'm a small market team. I can't really say anything. There's no chance that he was going to go to the Brewers. So no, and I mean there were some teams that were just going to be priced out of it because you can't pay a guy seventy million bucks. But this is where my thing comes in with the MLB player contract uh, agreement. Like there is a clause there where it states there's limited limitless deferment possibilities. You can li- like. You can extend it over. I mean, you can do the Bonilla thing where you extend it for forever. But yeah, which which is smart. But at the same time, it's like well, no, Bobby Bonilla. How, how does that this situation change? was not smart? No, it wasn't. But like, how does this change contract negotiations for I don't teams know. that are smaller that are going to maybe set aside of their cap to just be paying people down the line? That's where this might be interesting. It feels like something that only like the major markets can do only because when your cap sheet is already tight enough as is to to do that and potentially hamstring yourself just like, bad business, I guess. I think there's a team. I think like the Pirates or the Rays or just these smaller teams, Brewers even could do something like this and get a guy that otherwise they might not have. I just don't – I think there are going to be people that are a lot more scared to do this than I think the Otani contract is giving credit for. I think people are going to be a lot more reticent than it's being talked about right now. Just like, oh, just defer everything then. It's like, no, because you do have to pay it eventually. And I think regardless of how sports be- and baseball, everything becomes infinitely more valuable over time, you have to be careful. And Ota- I know Otani's is without interest. I don't know if every deferment is without interest. I don't know if that can be litigated. But I just wanted to give credit to possibly the most insane sports thing that I've seen. In, Not, my, in my life. Like in my life. That a guy signed. A, he signs for that much money. And B, that the team on the cap sheet basically doesn't have to pay it. Well, this is a stat While he's I on saw. The team. A stat that I saw that I thought was just shocking is that the Dodgers contracts for Betts and Mookie Betts and Shohei Otani is worth more per year than the cost of the Marlins franchise. It they like in total they're paying uh, the two players one point zero four billion. The Marlins are worth one billion dollars, so. 
that kind of just puts into perspective kind of the money disparity between teams. Um, you know, the Oakland, the Oakland A's will never be able to get no. that kind of situation. I don't know if you saw, but they opened up a, like their own league team and called it the Oakland Bees, <laughs> which is which is pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, it's a huge change for the sport. It's going to be really interesting to see how this affects the future of player negotiations and contracts. But yeah, I think that's everything I have on that topic. But I think that sums it up. Well, Brendan, thank you. Of you course. did great behind the sticks besides the early besides mistake. Besides the nothing. But, Who uh, knows? Besides but, the thing that didn't happen. Yeah. Thank but, you, Raven. Thank you. Thank you to everyone. Subscribe, rate, check out everything else on the Alethio Network. Check out the F1 pod dropped out yesterday. Check out Raven and Oliver talking some F1 off-season stuff. Uh, thank you, everyone, as always, and peace out. Deuces.